the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Greetings. Welcome into The Ride Home. It's the Thursday edition. It's also the Stay Home edition, as I'm still broadcasting from my spare room. My on-air partner, John Hall, taking a day off. Uh, He's traveling with his family. Hope he's having a terrific time. And um, it's also the sunny, hot, late May. Is it late May? It's kind of three quarters of the way through May edition of the Ride Home. Absolutely beautiful day here in the city of Pittsburgh. This is kind of all the things that we were dreaming of in November or early March, and they've all come true today. So I hope you're enjoying terrific weather here in the Western Pennsylvania area. And if you're listening to us from another part of the country or world, we're so happy that you're with us. Boy, we have a terrific show ahead of us today. We're going to talk about the dangers of Christian celebrity. We're going to talk about UFOs, which are now renamed Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, UAPs. We're going to talk uh, celebrity birthdays. We're going to talk about a person who apparently was driving 83 miles an hour on the interstate in the autopilot mode of a Tesla while completely asleep in Illinois. Mm -hmm. Also, we'll talk about a new book about Billy Graham, the man I knew. Also, excited to have Jack Phillips with us on today's program. He's the owner of Masterpiece Cake Shop. You'd be familiar if you followed the news, um, all of the um, conversation about why he decided not to make the cake and how his case ended up all the way to the Supreme Court. So we've got a lot ahead of us today. Uh, Before we started, I want to make sure I thank all of you who are part of our Bible League campaign the last two days. Listen, Bible League is just a thing that's really close to my heart, and I was just so appreciative of the time that the station gives us to talk about it and so gratified at the unbelievable gifts that all of you contributed over the last couple of days, just as we were closing the show on uh, Tuesday, um, literally right as we were closing out and going to the uh, to, going to the news break, we got a thousand dollar gift. And yesterday, just as we were closing the show and going to the news break, we got a five thousand dollar gift. So thank you all for your incredible kindness in remembering people who are really just like us, people who are trying to muddle through life, uh, know what it is to follow Jesus and have hope for their future, but just live in a place where they're just not able to access their own copy of God's word in their own language. So anyway, the Bible League campaign goes on. If you'd like to give now, you can at 1-800-YES-WORD, but we're going to talk about other things today. We'll talk about the Bible League, of course, a little as the show goes on. All right. So before we get too carried away with other stuff, Gary, I think it's the right time for us to go into the top four. For Thursday, May 20th, 2021. Number one, as you've heard by now, it looks like Ed Ganey is set to become the first black mayor of Pittsburgh, having won the Democratic primary on Tuesday night by defeating two-term incumbent Bill Peduto. There was no one registered on the Republican side. 
Today's Trib is asking the same question I've been wondering. How did Ganey win and how did Peduto lose? First off, a wave of anti-incumbent fervor appears to be sweeping different parts of the country, particularly here in PA, where mayors in Allentown and Harrisburg come up short in re-election bids this cycle. Second, Ganey is not an outsider by any means. A five-term state rep, Ganey rose in the ranks of the House Appropriations Committee, also served on the Education, Labor, and Industry and Policy Committees. He was a community development specialist for two former mayors here in Pittsburgh, Tom Murphy and Luke Ravenstahl, and he's vice chair of the Urban Redevelopment Authority of Pittsburgh, so the man knows his way around and he knew how to organize. And lastly, I don't know, it seems like American voters have gotten impatient. Ganey called for more action and fewer words in the mayor's office and said that if Peduto hadn't accomplished what he wanted in eight years, he didn't deserve another term. Number two, the House of Representatives, the U.S. House is the one I'm talking about, voted 252 to 175 yesterday to create a bipartisan commission to investigate the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. 35 Republicans voted in support of the bill, bucking the GOP House leadership, which had urged the conference against it. The bill now goes to the Senate, where it will need at least 10 Republican votes to pass. According to the dispatch before the House vote, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell announced he would follow the lead of his colleagues in House leadership by opposing the commission legislation, saying it's not at all clear what new facts or additional investigation yet another commission could lay on top of the existing efforts by law enforcement and Congress. Number three, India set another coronavirus milestone this week, announcing the country had recorded more than 4,500 deaths from COVID-19 for the prior 24 hours, setting an unfortunate world record. According to the Washington Post, the number of deaths higher than the previous record set here in the U.S. on January 20th comes as new cases appear to be declining in India with less than 300,000 new daily cases this week, which still sounds like an incredibly high number. But there have been longstanding questions about the accuracy of the numbers recorded in India, particularly in rural areas. And number four, the Pens, who are locked one win apiece with the New York Islanders in round one of the NHL playoffs, hope to steal one from the home team tonight at Nassau Coliseum. The Pens will be in Long Island tonight and for game four, which is Saturday afternoon at three. Game five back here in Pittsburgh on Monday. No word yet on whether Malkin's playing, at least that I've seen. Anyway, Penn's playoff puck drop tonight. Don't miss it. 7 p.m. And that, my friends, is your top four. All right, so lots of news locally, lots of news nationally, and we got a ton of conversation. We have got to get to it. So I'm going to step away and stretch my legs before we get into the Thursday edition of the Ride Home. I'm so glad you're along. You can watch us on Facebook Live, 101.5 Word FM, or the Ride Home with John and Kathy. Terry Tim's next. Right back. The station with Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music every weekend. With the best new music. New New music. Be all right. New music from Evan Kraft. Everything will be all right. Stephen Stanley and No Hopeless Soul. There ain't no hopeless soul. And Sunday Morning Feeling from Apollo LTD. The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Sponsored by Trinity Jewelers. 101.5 WORD. On the weekend. Who says studying the Bible isn't fun? 
Dr. J. Vernon McGee on Through the Bible will make you chuckle. I proposed to her the second date we had. And the reason that I didn't propose that first date was I didn't want her to think I was in a hurry. If you've been on the Bible bus for long, you know letters are a big deal to Through the Bible. Share your gratitude by logging on to our station website, keyword letter. How long have you been on the Bible bus? Let us know at wordfm.com slash letter. This is Kenny Woods with Word FM. Here's Michael with Bible League. Paul writes, when one part of the body suffers, we suffer together. This is Bible League International, and what a joy for us to partner with this wonderful station over the last month and see many copies of God's Word being sent to Bibleist believers in Africa. You see, in some parts of this continent at Bible League, we know that as many as 9 of 10 brothers and sisters in Christ are denied God's Word. They've never been able to read 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast your cares on Him because He cares for you. Now, during this time of pandemic, you know, being able to read that promise of God means what? Everything to you and me. And now it will mean everything to these Christians if you'll respond. Will you make your most generous gift and help us send God's Word to 5,000 bible believers in Africa? $5 sends a Bible. $50 sends 10 Call 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD. Or give at wordfm.com. Giving a Bible to somebody is the greatest gift you can give somebody in life. I have a traumatizing childhood memory of an Easter egg hunt. The big hunt was a big deal in our family. And I have this memory of running and excitedly reaching for eggs, only to have my big brother and sister sweep in and steal them at the last second. It's Ryan. And unfortunately, this is a traumatizing reality our Faith and Family Mortgage Team is seeing from families across the country. Families are finding their dream home, only to have it pulled away by another hunter at the last second. At United Faith Mortgage, we unfortunately cannot scare off the other hunters, but we can very quickly get you pre-approved and make it look as good as possible to sellers. And then, once you do grab that Easter egg, see our story and read how our direct lender advantage can often save your family monthly and lifelong money at unitedfaithmortgage.com. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Metal Park Road, Metal New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to Animalist Consumer Access. Federal Corporate Animalist Number 1335. Rack Animalist Number 65233. Equal Housing Lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. So probably half the people you know are doing jumping jacks. They're like, hey, I've got a vaccine. My family's got a vaccine. I can go out grocery shopping. I can go to church. I can go to work. Well, I was almost ready to sneeze. You can do whatever you want because all of a sudden the COVID era is kind of sliding away and the whole world is opening up. Now, there's another half of your friends who are thinking, now, wait a minute. Like, I'm not ready to go back out there. Yeah, I've been working really hard at home and I've got a system down and all of my anxieties that I had about being out in the world, I've kind of been able to manage because I've been here at home most of the time. And now everybody's telling me that I have to like go back to work or I have to show up in the sanctuary again. What do I do? This is how difficult transitions can be. And this is just one kind of transition. So to talk about it, I've invited my good friend, Terry Tim with us. Terry is the Terry is the pastor at Christ Community Church of the South Hills. Terry, welcome in. I want to hear about your transitions. How are you, Kathy? It's good, good to be together. Good, uh, good. I'm at the home studio and the windows open, and all of a sudden there there must have been like a pollen cloud that went by the window as I was talking. This is the season for that. It is the season. Yeah. All right. So, what kind of transitions are you thinking of? Well, you know this this really is uh, 
this is a season of transitions in a lot of different ways. I mean, I was just thinking about you before I came on the air, like you and your family are kind of living in the midst of a transition, right? right? You had your daughter graduate from college. College, right. It's a pretty big deal. That's a huge deal. It is a transition from one space of life to another. Uh, this is this is a transition season uh, for many of us. <laughs> at least I'll speak for myself. Like last year, my vacation season got wiped out because of COVID. Of course, of course. But uh, yeah, on June twenty fifth, I'm getting in the car and I'm driving seven hundred miles, and I'm going to Hilton Head this year. Uh, I am know, so it, jealous. So it's a tr- it, it's a transition from work. Uh, uh, and uh, like this year, I'm really like, I love the word vacation. Like it means to vacate. So I'm right. really being intentional to vacate. So it's a transition from work and I love work and I work really hard, but I'm, I, I have to transition from that space, that mindset, that attitude from work to, to rest and restoration. And obviously like with the pandemic, we are in a season of yeah. transition, we're beginning to come out of the pandemic. It's not over. There's lots of implications, but as you said, things are beginning to to open up. So we're, we're crossing a, a threshold or we're about to cross the threshold or some of us are lining up to the threshold and wondering, are we ready to take that step forward? And uh, so I've been thinking a lot actually about uh, the the Israelites in in the wilderness, and uh, I've been reflecting mm, on okay. Joshua chapter one. Okay. So I just I mean, maybe listeners to think about you know the the sim the symbolism of the uh, the Jordan River, mm-hmm. and the the Hebrews had been wandering for a long, long time in the wilderness. And in Joshua chapter one, we see the people of God, they come right up to the Jordan river. And like, that's the threshold. Are we going to, are we going to cross over the Jordan river and go into this new space? Are we going to move from where we've been into this new place? And there's this physical kind of marker there that, that is that, that transition, that threshold from one space to another. And so I've just been thinking about what does that mean for us? I mean, you know, we're not being called to, you know, cross the, the Jordan River into a new land, but metaphorically, emotionally, relationally, uh, we've got a lot of changes going yeah. on in, in our life and our world. And mm-hmm. yeah, so that's, you know, what, okay. what does it mean to trust God in the midst yeah, of Yeah, so I like that. Okay, so now we know we know from, from the story of the Israelites that there were a lot of different levels of trusting God between the people. Right. Well, oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And, and 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 people had different ideas of what their strategy should be. Certainly. Uh, and, and so it kind of makes me feel a little better about how we are right now. Right. Right. I mean, and this is always, you know, when we get into kind of these these Kairos moments or these seasons of opportunity, it, it's hard to process through. And so one of the you I mean, the, the questions that that I've been reflecting on and inviting others to think about in times of transition, what is changing and what remains the same? Hmm. So what is changing about where we are in life and the the new possibilities, but also what remains the same? What carries over into one space to another? For instance, like like the, the, the Hebrews, the Israelites, uh, God was with them while they were in the wilderness. God was going to be with them in in okay, the so that land. so so they could count on that as a constant. 
there's a continuity, right? And so as God's people, I think to, for me, that's really important to ground ourselves in this truth of this promise that God says, I, mm. I am with you. Whether you're on this side of the Jordan or this side, I'm, I'm going to be with you no matter what. So, you know, you know, your daughter, God was with her while she was in college as a college student. She's graduated. That season of her life is over. But with confidence, she can walk into the next season and say, God is going to be with me here. In That's, this one too. Yeah. And, and so that can fuel us to, to not be afraid. You know, you know, one of the other things in that Joshua 1 text is we, we kept hearing this phrase over and over again, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. So that's that's another way that we can mm -hmm. ground ourselves in times yeah. of transition. It is like this uh, this resolute spirit of conviction. What do we hold to? What what truth do we hang on to that is going to undergird us, whether we're over here or over here? Okay, let me interrupt and, you for a minute because yeah. I, I'm thinking back to your example of the Israelites, and I'm thinking. All you know, I'm on. You're a pastor of a church. I'm on staff at a local church, and I'm sure you've had every bit as many discussions as we have had about what do we do about masks? Where are we going to meet? What room are we in? Are we going to be outside? How are we, how close are the chairs allowed? To, you know, we've had like these discussions, you know, ad nauseum for the last 15 months. But today, in particular, um, we were discussing exactly what we were going to do on Sunday, because the CDC recommendations, you know, just came down last Thursday and we had kind of a, a, like a middle ground Sunday last week. And there were a lot of different opinions, right? People feel really, very strongly about it. So I'm thinking about the Israelites and I'm thinking about, you know, the people, you know, we, we should have gone back to Egypt. Like, you know, we had, we had three square meals, like we should have stayed there. Right. And then you have other, you know, Israelites who were like, what are you talking about? We were slavery. You know what I mean? And then when they get to the promised land, there are people like, well, of course, you know, we should go in and take it. And then there are other ones that are afraid. I mean, this is like a, this is a common thread, right? So now is not like so unique of a time. It, it, you, I mean, I love the way you framed that out, Kathy. There are some people among us who, as we, as we kind of transition out of the pandemic, their hope, prayer, desire is we're going to go back to normal. Yep, exactly. We're going to, we're going to reset to March 1st, 2020. It's like nothing and, ever happened. Yep. It'll yeah, be so great. There, I mean, there are people, there are organizations, there are churches that are operating that way. First of all, I just don't think we can reset to what was. Right. Secondly, I don't even think that's faithful because I think God is saying there's there is something on the other side of this. This is a season of transition mm. and we need to be open to what God might want to do, how God might want to shape us, stretch us, grow us through this season of transition so that faithfulness is fresh and dynamic and we we live with eyes wide open our world has changed you know i was, I was talking to a, a friend of mine who travels a lot and, and he said he you know years ago when he would travel he he just he thought it was so ridiculous when people would be on an airplane with masks on oh so did <laughs> right? i 
Listen, I, mean, I used to, I was just traveling. I talked about this yesterday, Terry. I was in Indonesia right before COVID hit. So right. I was in, I was in Japan. I was in Indonesia. I was different places in the States. I'm looking at these people in masks. Like what a bunch of whiners. Like for goodness sake, how bad can it be? Right. And, and so, but what I think what is going to happen is that masks are going to be a more regular yep. part of our life. I and agree. Guess what? There's an upside to that. Like, I hope that we have less colds, less flus. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's not it's not like we're going to mandate this, but people will say, hey, there's an opportunity here maybe to lessen some disease, you know. Yes, to risk, lessen so some risk. It's an opportunity. So what's different, what's changing, but what remains the same? And I would say like in the midst of this, like coming out of the pandemic, like, what what remains the same ought to be a deep love for God and a deep love for our neighbor. Hmm. So as we think about our posture, are we going to place ourselves at the center of the universe or are we going to say, hey, there are fresh opportunities in new ways and in, to express love for other people. Okay. And it's going to be an opportunity for some of us maybe to set our personal agendas or desires aside out of love and deference for others. And I mean, isn't that the heart of the gospel? It is. What yeah. does Paul say, you know, in Philippians 2, do not think only about your own interest, but also right. the interest of others. Like, for instance, like we're on, we're on Zoom right now, right? And, and I've, I've heard people say, uh, Zoom used to be a blessing, but now it's a curse. Hmm. Because they're tired of it. They have Zoom fatigue, which right. which we all, in a sense, have Zoom fatigue. Sure. I mean, I've spent four hours of my day today on Zoom. but And all four were a pleasure. <laughs> Zoom is not going away. Right. But how we use Zoom in the future, supplementing in person, like we need to embrace that opportunity. So what matters? Connection with people. What matters is experience expressing the gospel through any way we can. What matters is, is being in relationship and connection with people. So let's figure out the best way we can leverage the technology so that we're accomplishing God's purpose, but we're also valuing people. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the, if your goal is like Zoom, like we're going to come to a day soon, a month, three months, whatever, where when the Zoom platform is going to disappear, it's not happening. But so you're, you know, there are, there are some among us that maybe say, oh, if we could just go back to Egypt where there was no right. Zoom. Where there was, right. where there was no Zoom. <laughs> it's not happening. <laughs> right. And Zoom, like, you know, to me, it, to me, it has opened up opportunities for me. Like today, I had a Zoom call right before this. I was, you know, collaborating with someone in Kansas City and someone in Los Angeles. See, that's awesome. Like, See, don't you love that? I've really, and uh, Terry, I got to tell you here on our show, we have gotten to know people in a guests wise in a way that we never have before because we didn't have this as a possibility. So looking at people, and for those of you listening on the radio right now, I can tell you that if you're watch, if you watch on Facebook, you can go to the ride home with John and Kathy or 101.5 word FM. Terry and I are both on zoom. So as even though he's in his house, he's at his house. I'm at my house. We're looking at each other. It's a different level of knowing now you and I, and John have been friends for years, but for some of our guests who live in the UK or who live in Portland or whatever we've talked to for years, but we have never seen, never seen. And so this type of communication really does it. I feel, feel like it puts us on a whole different trajectory. 
So I, I facilitate some small groups online, and one of our rules of engagement is say what you see. And what I mean by that was when we're in a Zoom room together, four or five or six of us, like watch people's faces. Like mm-hmm. so much of our right. communication is with our bodies. And I know like it's easy on Zoom. I can be multitasking, sending emails, you know, checking Instagram. But if I decide to lock on and watch your face, I'll learn things about you. Yep. I'll, I'll Our connection actually will be deepened through the technology. Yet, Like, yes, I would much rather be sitting across the table from you. But it is what it is right now. And, right. Let's find and it's not way. bad. It's, it's not too bad. bad. It really isn't. It really is not too bad. Listen, we need to step away. Uh, This is the Reverend Terry Tim from Christ Community Church of the South Hills. Um, After the break, Terry's going to stay with me. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about a CBS News story today about mask anxiety. Uh, People who are really experiencing a lot of worry about what their life could look like if they took their mask off. So we'll talk about that next. It's all the important issues. It's tough stuff. It's a Thursday edition. Right. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. If you owe back taxes, there's a lot you need to know, starting with rule number one. Don't mess with the IRS. They are cracking down this year by sending out heart-stopping letters, actively garnishing paychecks, levying bank accounts, and putting liens on homes and businesses. That's all true, but it's also true there's a way out. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative, an important government program for tax debt assistance. It's one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered, so now's the time. You could qualify for tax relief that saves you thousands, even tens of thousands. Nobody knows this program like the award-winning experts at Optima Tax Relief. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and will fight to get you the best deal possible. Don't mess with the IRS. For tax help you need, for tax help you can trust, call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Nobody should have to pay for one-size-fits-all insurance coverage. Liberty Mutual customizes your car and home insurance so you only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Are you interested in furthering your career in law enforcement? Waynesburg University offers a 100% online Master of Arts in Criminal Investigation. Our flexible, affordable program for law enforcement professionals is taught by experts from the field. Visit waynesburg.edu. Trip to Europe. Visit all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums. Go skydiving. Okay, so you know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune into Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group Saturdays at 10 a.m. to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do the things you've always dreamt about doing in retirement. Listen every Saturday morning at 10 to Your Retirement Blueprint with Accurate Solutions Group. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. 
Craig Schweiger's weekly show, Home is Where the Heart Is, has been a big hit, extremely informative for seniors and their families to learn about reverse mortgages. This week's guest, Jason Burt, and his organization formerly known as the Silver Ring Thing, has been covered by the BBC, MTV, and 60 Minutes. Tune in Saturday at 7 a.m. to meet Jason and hear about the unaltered life while you learn about reverse mortgages for seniors. Sponsored by Federated Mortgage, Home is Where the Heart Is, where mortgage meets ministry. Saturday mornings at 7 on 101.5 FM WORD. Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, tune in, and on radio.com. In the car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORD FM, Pittsburgh. Tonight we'll see partly cloudy skies. It will be mild with a low of 59. Very warm tomorrow with clouds and sunshine. As temperatures do warm, look before you lock. Make sure you don't leave your child unattended in your vehicle. We'll see a high of 86. Partly cloudy and mild tomorrow night with a low of 61. We'll see times of clouds and sunshine Saturday with a high of 82. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. for joining us today on The Ride Home. I'm Kathy Emmons from The Home Studio, my on-air partner, John Hall, taking a day off, but I'm joined right here on Zoom if you're watching us on Facebook Live at 101.5 Word FM or The Ride Home with John and Kathy. You can see the Reverend Terry Tim. Yep, that's his mug from Christ Community Church of the South Hills. Now, Terry, I laughed when I decided that I wanted to talk about this today because I know that you and I are so sick of this topic, right? <laughs> masks. Now, this is why I bring it up. Everybody's talking about masks, but Terry, you're a pastor and, you know, I'm a talk show host. I'm also on staff at a church. So I kind of have two different communities of people that whose opinions I hear on a regular basis and people get so amped up about this 15 months later. I feel like we're every bit as amped about it as we were at the beginning, but I saw this CBS news story today and it was talking about mask anxiety and it was told in a really compassionate voice. Mm. It was just talking about people who kind of know it would be a good idea to take their mask off, know what the CDC is saying, but they're afraid to do it. And, And there were several different layers of it. Like one layer was they're afraid that maybe there's going to be a coronavirus variant and it's going to overcome their double vaccination. Other people, though, are kind of afraid to be seen again. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're used to being able to go into a grocery store with a mask on and a hat and nobody notices them and no one pays any attention to them and they can kind of like skate under the radar. Um, and then I talked about another group of people who have actual clinical anxiety disorders and who have been able through this COVID era to kind of structure their home work life to accommodate them. And now that they're doing a transition, like you talked about in the last segment, it's really putting them into like you know, a dangerous tailspin. So I guess I don't need for you to address all three of those groups, but I guess it's just helpful for all of us to recognize that some people have issues coming out of where we've been. It's a word that I've I've used a lot over the last 15 months in this pandemic is the word apocalyptic. But I'm I'm trying to use it in a different way than maybe most of your listeners. I think a lot of times, particularly in the Christian world, we, we, we talk about apocalyptic things. We think about the end of the age, right? This apocalyptic age, but uh, the word apocalypse 
just simply means unveiling or revealing. Or what? Revealing. Revealing. Okay. This pandemic has been apocalyptic in the sense it has revealed things about us. For instance, one of the things that this has revealed in my life is that I'm actually way more introverted than I ever realized. Like this has pulled a veil back at my personality. And it's like, I've I've really enjoyed a lot of the introverted time. But as you mentioned, I think one of the other things that's revealed is, I think a lot of people have had a kind of a low level, maybe of anxiety in their life. And the pandemic has been apocalyptic in a sense. It's like revealed a greater anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's deeper and more chronic and, and actually maybe debilitating than they've ever realized it before. And so this idea of like, oh my gosh, I've, I've had this mask on for 15 months and now you're asking me to unveil uh, is, is, is just a little bit too much for people to handle. Right. Again, so I would, I would say, how do, we, how do we approach people with empathy and compassion and uh, and invite people to take steps that they're comfortable with. Uh, like today, I, I I was I was in a space where I didn't have to wear a mask, but I I chose to wear my mask for a little bit longer, just for a couple of reasons, just to be in solidarity with other people who were wearing a mask, right? Who and are also fully vaccinated just, yet? Yeah, yeah, and just to encourage people, it's it's still it's okay, like it's right. fun. Like there's times and occasions we need to wear a mask. So let's be kind and gentle and empathetic with ourselves and and other people in the midst of, you know, that anxiety, because it's real. It is real. That's a good word. All right, Terry, thanks so much for being here today, my friend. My pleasure, Kath. Good to see you. That's the Reverend Terry Tim, Christ Community Church of the South Hills. Find out more with your website, Terry. ChristCommunityChurch.me ChristCommunityChurch.me. Find all the details about how to worship with that great community. WORD. Your station for Unlimited Grace with Brian Chappell. Grace is about peace with God being provided. And peace is about grace from God being believed. If you have grace provided, you have peace provided as well. Unlimited Grace with Brian Chappell returns to the air Monday afternoon at 1.30 here on 101.5 WORD. Let me ask you, what does your perfect wedding day look like? I'll bet you've imagined it over and over again. The crisp spring air, the fresh grass giving way beneath you as you walk towards your future, surrounded by the people you love the most. So what's in the way of you believing it's possible for you to have it? Are you believing the lie that you are meant to be alone? Or maybe you don't know what a Christian romance should look like or where to find it. Hi, I'm Jackie Dorman, and I invite you to join me in my free Married in 12 Months Challenge, where you will discover your heart's desire of a loving marriage. In this challenge, I'll teach you why now's your time to find love. What are the lies that are holding you back? Why God wants you married, the biblical law of attraction, and the tools to become a bride. Don't wait any longer. Just sign up for my free Married in 12 Months five-day challenge at lovestories.com and you can start your journey to find that lasting, loving relationship now. Join me at lovestories.com. For the ones who get going 
when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the Pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Don't let pests scare off your returning customers. Get the help you need at boozebugstoppers.com. Get a free quote on a monthly pest control and sanitation plan without a long-term contract that'll clean them up, block them out, push them back, and remove pests safely. Backed by Boo's 100% satisfaction guarantee. When it comes to protecting your business and your guests, who are you going to call? Boo's Bug Stoppers at boozebugstoppers.com. I'm Pastor Tom Hall. Did you know that First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, 326th Avenue, is the oldest anything in Pittsburgh? Older than any newspaper, school, or business. Join us Sundays in person at 1045 a.m. Hear the timeless good news of Jesus Christ. We'll be social distancing and keeping everyone safe, so let us know you're coming at fpcp.org. up with the news in uh regular sexual regular like cultural perspective the secular media or if you are one of those people like me who's on twitter kind of in like the christian subculture and you keep track of that news no matter which news it is christian celebrity appears to be a disaster i mean it's one story after another of you know uh, sexual abuse of uh economic collapse of, you know, manipulations of power and personality and prestige. And I mean, you name the personality dysfunction, it appears to be in evidence. And so I guess my question is like, if we see all this evidence around us, that it's bad, that, that it's just not only is it ruining the people who are the celebrities, but it's it's creating you know a crisis of faith and doubt all over the place. People who are in the congregations of these people, people who follow them online, whether it's Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or whatever the heck it is. And I think so. Is there any way to stop it? Well, to talk about this, I've invited my good friend Jim Wallace on the program today. Jim is a Dateline featured cold case detective, senior fellow at the Colson Center for Christian Worldview, adjunct professor of apologetics at Biola, and he's author of a bunch of books, including Cold Case Christianity and Forensic Faith. Jim, welcome back. Well, thanks for having me. This is You're right, though. This is a, one of those issues that, that most of us um, don't talk about it. We recognize that there are problems. We, we see that you know, really well-known musicians and, and pastors and, and now even with Robbie Zacharias, you know, an apologist and from you know, the discipline that I uh, get to play in a little bit as an apologist myself. And, you know, you're right. We have to, I think, at some point rethink what we've thought in the past about celebrity in general. I mean, right. let's go this way. Do you remember, if you ever know anybody, like if you know somebody who's drinking too much, an alcoholic, you're, you're going you're gonna to help them, right? You're going you're gonna to say, you need to kind of curb that. You need to do something, right? And if you know somebody who's gambling too much, you're going to curb that. If you know somebody who's got one of these uh, uh, holic kind of, you know, alcoholic or a gambler or, or you know, whatever it may be. Right. Overeaters or narcotics or you name it. Yes. But now let's switch that though. What if you know somebody who's a workaholic? 
you know, we see nobody says that. That's that's a virtue right now. Yeah, that's like a virtue, right? We say, hey, that's a, that's an achiever. There's somebody who's you know we like. Listen, if you're going to hire somebody, you may want to hire an alcoholic or a gambler or somebody who's got some of their addiction. But if you've got somebody who's a workaholic, we're going to hire that guy, right? Because that's somebody we see we see that that obsessive compulsive behavior in that area as positive, and and I think we see that also in some ways uh, about celebrity. Let me let me tell you what I mean by that. You know, we, we know that there are three motives that I find over and over again whenever I work homicides. They're the same three motives over and over and over again. There is no fourth motive. It is uh, financial greed, sexual lust, and the pursuit of power. Now, that third mm-hmm. category, the pursuit of power, is very nuanced. A lot of stuff when you work homicides uh, falls into that third category. You know, if you got disrespected by somebody or you feel like you're so prideful that you think that you're better than somebody else, these are the things mm-hmm. that are under that third category. Well, celebrity is also in that third category. The pursuit of wanting to have power, authority, respect, be well-known. Now, these are, these are God-given good things. I mean, sex, money, power can be used for good. But we have a tendency, because we're in a fallen world and we are fallen creatures, that we pervert those things. We corrupt those things for our own benefit usually. And that's when they become a problem. And I think it's interesting, is as, I've, as I've worked these kinds of cases over the years, what I've discovered – this is the, the real key here, is that any time you allow yourself to indulge yourself in one of those three, the other two eventually follow. So you whoa, might say, whoa, well, I don't have a wait, problem in this wait, one wait, area. So that's re- wait, that's really interesting. So if someone indulges themselves in um, looking for finding a way to garner power, you're saying financial yes. accountability and sexual fidelity will fall also? Well, let's put it this way. Uh, the, the potential is there. Here's why I say that. If you become somebody who is very well-known in the culture, okay, let's say you're somebody who is a really well-known musician, and you now have the kind of fame that's, that's in that category of power. You have the fame that you've always wanted, you know, and you're growing up and wanting to be in a band, and you, 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 nobody but you learns how to play these instruments and works this hard so that nobody will listen to their music, right? But of course, the idea is I want more people to listen. The same is true for me as an author. I don't write books I want no one to read. Sure. So as soon as you get to a place where you, same as you, right, as a broadcaster, you're not doing a show you hope nobody will listen to. All right. So we all struggle with this. We want a larger platform. We want more cultural attention. We want our voices to be heard. I get that. And But what happens is once that – if you did have great success, let's say you're the number one broadcaster in, in America. At some point, that power is going to op- open up opportunities in the other two areas that you didn't have before. Uh, especially, let's say I, I become I'm, I'm, a, I'm a writer and I become the best, you know, the most sold and more books than anybody else in the country, and everyone knows me now because I'm famous. Don't you think there'll be a temptation? You're going to make more money. That was not available to you before. Now the temptations that come along with money are now available to people who are celebrities. But not only that, the opportunities to be attractive to the opposite sex are now more prevalent to somebody who is famous. Right. In other words, okay. I never thought about that before. Yeah, I never thought about that before, Jim. Let me introduce you to people just joining us now. Jay Werner Wallace, Dateline featured cold case detective, senior fellow at the Colson Center for Christian Worldview and author. We'll talk about several of his books later in the segment. But Jim, that's really insightful. That it's not, uh, it's not that people go looking to be um, sexually promiscuous or to, you know, screw up their church's finances or to steal money from somebody or to be power hungry. But when their influence increases, their chances for screwing up in those ways increases. 
That's that's exactly right. How many yeah, times have you yeah. just seen this, right? If I'm somebody, if you get somebody who is, have you ever seen this where you travel and you've got a younger woman, for example, with an older guy? Well, what's going mm-hmm. on there? What happens is that guys learn how to leverage their power, money, and position to get the third thing that they actually are part of this trilogy, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you have you have to kind of at least understand that you uh, you have a tendency to think, well, I can if I can protect myself, I'm only tempted in this one area. You kind of look at those three things and you say, well, where am I tempted? By the way, these are the three things that all pastoral leaders can learn to, to protect themselves from. If you know these are the three ways I can mess up, I know I have to protect myself in these three areas. But I, most of the time when I talk to pastors, they'll say, well, yeah, but I'm not tempted in that area. I'm only tempted over here. Really? Well, as I notice that you, your, your Twitter feed is, is larger, you've got more followers, you've got more people attending your conferences, you've got all kinds of opportunity now. They're putting up in nicer hotels. They're not actually watching what you're doing while you're in those hotels. The opportunities are now coming for you to make mistakes that you didn't have that opportunity before. You just opened the door to that because you chased the one thing that most people do not fear. In other words, you, you fear the, the, the temptation from money. You fear the temptation from, from sex, but nobody sees the temptation of celebrity or power. We think, hey, no, we want people. You know, this is a good thing. He's, he's made, he's, like, I'll give you an example of this. If I'm an evangelist, if I grow my platform so that I'm famous nationally, people would see this as a good thing, right? Because you've got more opportunities to, to preach the gospel. Well, be very careful because when you open up those opportunities, when you increase your celebrity, you've also increased the temptation in the other areas. It's not a coincidence that we mm-hmm. see this in everyone's fall. These are usually famous people. Even the deconstruction of people who are leaving the faith, sure. typically when you really get down to it, they've also left their wife. They've also explored some other aspect of their sexuality. There's always the other two are always connected mm-hmm. yeah. to the, the situation. And, and this is why I say that we have to be very careful to, to actually – and we just start. I just started thinking about this personally. Is what can I do on a personal level to to make sure that I'm not chasing celebrity? I mean, we, we, we kind of say, hey, I want to build a big, large social media uh, platform so that I can preach the gospel. Is that what I'm doing, or am I preaching the gospel so I can build a large social media platform? At right. what point is this right. does the switch occur? Mm-hmm. And so we have to be really, really kind. I, I think careful and and. And considerate of, of that, 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 that temptation is there, even for those of us who think, well, I can never be tempted in that area. And what opens it is celebrity. Okay, so let me then ask you whose responsibility it is. So you're saying that the, the, the potential celebrity, it's their responsibility, right? Um, yes. And what they can do. But what about mm-hmm. the responsibility of all of us who end up being like people that throw adulation at the Christian celebrity or attention at the Christian celebrity or, you know, obsess over every tweet or, yeah. you know, whatever, uh, you know, have to respond to every, you know, blog post. Well, I just watched, you know, the, the whole situation with, you know, any famous, you, you pick the person who you've followed in the last year, who's now no longer a Christian or has fallen from the faith or has fallen from their position due to some sexual misbehavior or whatever it may be, right? Or it, I saw a couple of this last year over financial misbehavior. We typically will say, looking backwards, boy, why didn't they set up an accountability partner, somebody who would like make sure he wasn't being overpaid in that area or wasn't, you know, all about that? Or why would why didn't they send somebody with him to make sure that he wouldn't be in a one-on-one? Why didn't they have a policy in their ministry? to protect that kind of thing. Nobody says. Why didn't they have accountability to make sure he wasn't chasing celebrity? Okay. Mm. Because we don't see it that way. We see the other two as the thing you need to protect yourself from. Yeah, yeah, You don't yeah. see the celebrity thing as the thing you need to protect yourself from. And in fact, that's the, usually the tail that wags the dog. Wow. 
That's really good, Jim. Jim Wallace is with us. He's the author of several books, including Code Case Christianity, God's Crime Scene, Forensic Faith. He's also creator of the Casemakers Academy for Kids. All right. So, um, all right. So from the person's perspective who uh, gets, I, I hate to use the term infatuated, but I know a lot of people who are like this, they get infatuated with a media person, um, whether it's an athlete or it's a pastor or it's, you know, a TED talk speaker, or it's a yogi, or, you know, whoever it is, how do we avoid becoming people that just feed that system? Well, I think the thing starts, there's, there's millions of people who are out there looking at a handful of stars, a handful of celebrities. So if you find yourself, so it's much, so you can take two ways of approaching this. One, you can change the hearts and minds and make, and change the awareness of a million, you know, millions of people, or you can simply change the hearts and minds and the awareness of the few people who draw all that attention. So I think it's on us, those of us who are public Christians. There's no category in the New Testament for paid public Christians. Right. Yet we, we, we are those things. We, all of us who are, who, you know, are, that's why I think it's on us to, to, to make sure that we, we kind of take the lead on this. And so let me tell you how we, I've kind of looked at it personally, and I struggle with this, right? Because the people who I first started with said, hey, from a marketing perspective, if you want people to read your books, they need to know who you are. I mean, I was in a movie. I was in God's Not Dead too, So it was clear that people knew they, rec- they, could, they would recognize me from that movie. So, so all the people who developed my social media, all the people who I talked to said, no, you need to get a picture of you. They need to see that it's you saying this. It's you. This is your platform. Well, I became really uncomfortable with it. So about a month, well, actually after the Robbie Zacharias thing, I, about a month and a half ago, I said, okay, we, we have to shift over. I want to have all my face off of my social media. And everyone told me that's, you can't, that's suicide. It's marketing suicide. Mm-hmm. You put that up there. No, no, no. So we've started to shift, for example, even the thumbnails on our YouTube page, we've moved from having our faces on those thumbnails to just something else that hopefully is equally visually attractive, but is not featuring Jim Wallace. Does that make sense? Because I think that's yeah. what it's down to is we have to kind of look, uh, but I'm so, I spent years writing books and when I spent like, I've got another one coming out in September. I spent two years researching it and another year writing it. I, what I'm, I want to feature is the content of that book. I don't care if, they don't, if nobody even knows who wrote it, but I want the people to, to read what's in the book because I think it's, it's important. It's about Jesus, but they don't need to know who wrote it or even recognize what I look like. And so it's about us making the the the, 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 the point people to if we say we're pointing people to Jesus, let's make sure we're pointing people to Jesus. Yeah, that's good. I guess that's the best way to sum it up. Yeah, Jim. Well, I, I think for a lot of this, it's going to be there are more important things than our personal, and it's really about us taking the responsibility of of number one. Uh, it's not. And by the way, we're in a social media world where this is this is really amplified, right? Because every single platform is about you, Instagram. It's about pictures of you and you and right. you and then you and then some more of you. And so at some point, we, we get to realize that we are going to be that this this culture we're in right now is going to magnify and amplify this idea of celebrity. Even so, it's not just people like who are writing books or in movies. It's going to be every single one. But now there are Instagram influencers and TikTok influencers, and where's that fame coming from? It's just coming oh from the God. platform. It's just right. coming from the platform. Jim, I got to cut you off there. As soon as yeah, you said sure. influencer, okay. I got I got physically sick and had to stop. No, actually, we're just out. We're just out of time. That's Jim Thanks Wallace. Thanks so for having me, Kathy. I appreciate you. Yeah. Love you, Jim. Terrific guy. Thanks. God's crime scene, forensic faith, creator of the Casemakers Academy for Kids and the book that kicked it all off, Cold Case Christianity. Thanks for being with us today. It's Thursday. It's on the ride home. we got a lot more ahead. Be right back.
I have a traumatizing childhood memory of an Easter egg hunt. The big hunt was a big deal in our family, and I have this memory of running and excitedly reaching for eggs, only to have my big brother and sister sweep in and steal them at the last second. It's Ryan, and unfortunately, this is a traumatizing reality our Faith and Family Mortgage Team is seeing from families across the country. Families are finding their dream home, only to have it pulled away by another hunter at the last second. At United Faith Mortgage, we unfortunately cannot scare off the other hunters, but we can very quickly get you pre-approved and make it look as good as possible to sellers. And then, once you do grab that Easter egg, see our story and read how our direct lender advantage can often save your family monthly and lifelong money at unitedfaithmortgage.com. We are United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. That's out-of-pocket money. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof. Or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to more and mildew. Maybe you've lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows R Us offers 12 months, no interest financing, and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how would you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding and roof replacement offer valid through June 30th. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsruspittsburgh.com. That is windowsruspittsburgh.com. Learning has definitely changed these days. What hasn't changed is the unwavering support parents received from their local Christian school. Many were quick to adapt to the new normal with remote classes taught by caring teachers who pray for students and their families every day. With many schools offering half-price tuition for first-time enrollees like Portersville Christian School in Portersville, PA. It's a great time to consider Christian education. Find a school that's right for you at wordfm.com slash tuitions. Boy, we had such a fun couple days with Michael Woolworth from the Bible League. And, um, you know, Michael is a good friend. He's been uh, traveling the world for the last, I don't know, five or so years with the Bible League. And he's been in all sorts of countries, you name the continent. And uh, he travels uh, with the goal of just meeting people and bringing stories back um, so that people like me can communicate them to you. And if you listen to the show yesterday or the day before, that was just story after story after story of people who, you know, live in different regions of the world. They speak different languages. They have different challenges. But the thing that unites them, A, is the fact that they believe in Jesus. But the second thing is they don't have access to a Bible. I mean, you know, I've got so many here in my house. I've got one always right under my left hand when I'm doing the show. So I can always look stuff up. I got three over there. I mean, like I've got four Bibles in a 10 by 10 room. Um, and there are people on the other side of the world that have never, never had one in their own language. Some people have never even seen one in their own language. Anyway, I bring all that up. I bring all that up to just say, 
Hey, listen, if you didn't have a chance to give to the Bible league, if you still are thinking about it and you think, Oh, I've kind of forgot to do that. I got busy. I had a thing. And then I forgot that anyway, it's okay because you can still call at 1-800-YES-WORD and you can give a $5 gift to give one Bible away. Or like the person who called yesterday as our show is ending, you can give $5,000 and give away a thousand Bibles. Listen, this is an absolutely unbelievable opportunity to spend so little money and just have such gigantic impact. So please consider that. You can also go online to wordfm.com just click that banner at the top of the page and just give your gift there. Um, Gosh, we'd be so grateful. And someone who you will probably never know will be unbelievably grateful, perhaps more grateful than we can even understand. All right, we need to step away for news and weather. When we come back, UFOs. Is that a thing? It's renamed Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. We'll talk UAPs next and why they're in the news. It's coming up. All right. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart. Tune in and on Radio.com. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. At a meeting with Germany's foreign minister, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says Iran is providing funding and weapons for the jihadist in Gaza. The true backer of uh, much of this aggression is Iran. Iran not only supports completely the uh, Islamic Jihad in Gaza and gives them all the financing, they also give weapons to uh, Hamas as well as to Hezbollah, and uh, they they provide the scaffolding on which these organizations uh, really work. Meanwhile, the death toll from the current conflict between Israel and Hamas is past 200. The Labor Department reporting the number of Americans seeking unemployment aid fell last week to 444,000. That is a new pandemic low. On Wall Street now, stocks are higher. The Dow up 231 points and the NASDAQ 229 points higher. This is SRN News. I'm a North Hills girl, and I'm proud to serve that community that I've grown up with. Stock Family Dentistry's Dr. Megan Stock. Nobody in my family was a dentist. It was kind of this innate thing planted in my heart since about first grade. And so God leading me down this path, it's been incredible to not only see my passion come to life, but to be able to do it at home is incredible. Exceptional dentistry, compassionate care. Stock Family Dentistry. Perry Highway in Wexford. Visit StockFamilyDentistry.com. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Writing an estate plan is one thing. Having the experience to administer the estate is something else. At Abernathy and Hagerman, estate administration isn't a side job. It's what we do. You have the same goals we all do. To protect your assets, to minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones that you love. How you get there, that's specific to you. So let's talk. Hagerman Law. Legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. Hi, my name is Ryan Bourne. And I'm Danica Bourne. And And we're we're the the owners owners of South Coast Coast Tax. Tax. We would like to thank our Lord for protecting us from evil. Psalm 91 states, He is my refuge and my fortress, for He will rescue us from every trap and protect us from deadly disease. South Coast Tax are Christian-based tax accountants and attorneys who specialize in releasing bank levies, wage garnishments, and filing complex tax returns. We are the leaders in acceptance of offers and compromise 
with awesome results. We are also a small firm. We'll treat you like family and not just a number. Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176 for a free consultation. And we'll take the time to explain all the programs that you qualify for in order to allow you a fresh start. In John 836. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. And one way we can achieve that is by being debt free. So let us help you today. Call us at 1-800-TAX-1176 and together we can help achieve this goal by putting the IRS tax debt behind you for good. Again, that number is 1-800-TAX-1176. At Eden Christian Academy, hope is rising. Hope that is secure in God, that builds faith, and inspires a love that can't be stopped. Eden is where parents find hope in a true educational partner, where students see faith woven into every subject, and where teachers model the love of Christ to every child from pre-K through 12th grade. Schedule a personal tour at any of their three North Hills campuses and witness the hope, faith, and love that Eden can offer your child at EdenChristianAcademy.org. This is Greg Truszynski from the Original Mattress Factory. Our company's mission is simple, to provide a better mattress and a better mattress shopping experience, all at a great value. We believe you deserve a high-quality mattress at a factory-direct price. We believe you should be able to shop for a mattress without high-pressure sales tactics. And we believe in transparency. You should know exactly how a mattress is made so you can judge its value for yourself. Stop by for a factory tour today to see the OMF difference for yourself. Tonight we'll see partly cloudy skies. It will be mild with a low of 59. Very warm tomorrow with clouds and sunshine. As temperatures do warm, look before you lock. Make sure you don't leave your child unattended in your vehicle. We'll see a high of 86. Partly cloudy and mild tomorrow night with a low of 61. We'll see times of clouds and sunshine Saturday with a high of 82. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Welcome in. Thanks for being with me today on The Ride Home. Still broadcasting from my spare room, and my on-air partner, John Hall, has taken another day off to be with family. But I'm happy you're along for the Thursday edition of The Ride Home. You're listening on Word FM um, or WPIT. We're glad to have you. Also, if you'd like to watch the program, you know you can do that. You can go onto Facebook right now. We're Facebook Live on 101.5 Word FM and on the page called The Ride Home with John and Kathy. Um, If you leave a comment there on the stream, as several people were doing, I'm trying to get back as quickly as I can, but it's a lot to manage here right now. So you managed to give me a little bit of time. Uh, Okay. So listen to this 60 minutes uh, last Sunday evening did a story that has caused a lot of conversation online, uh, especially in the last three or four days. And more news reports were released today, which is why I'm bringing it up um, here at the beginning of the five o'clock hour. So you um, FOs, or something that we've known about for a while, but something called UAPs, uh, which are unidentified, pardon me, aerial phenomenon is, is the newest term for the UFO. And uh, this is from the 60 Minutes website. After decades of public denial, the Pentagon now admits there's something out there and the U.S. Senate wants to know what it is. The Intelligence Committee has ordered the Director of National Intelligence and the Secretary of Defense to deliver a report on the mysterious sightings by next month. So you say, okay, what mysterious sightings? Is this like some weird, like, you know, 
low budget poltergeist documentary that you saw in the History Channel at two in the morning, right? Okay, well, that's kind of what I thought until I went back and watched the 60 Minutes report. And I have to say that I think I'm really interested in in like figuring out what the facts of these cases are, because this really is unexplained phenomena. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. Okay. So let me give you a couple instances here. And I'm going to ask Gary to weigh in. Um, Gary is sitting in the producer chair today and he has flown several planes in his lifetime. Um, But so Gary, I'll ask you a couple questions after I give you some of the statements of these pilots and kind of see what your take is on these. So the first person is a former Navy pilot, Lieutenant Ryan Graves. He calls whatever he saw when he was flying his F-A-18F squadron, um, a plane in that squadron, um, whatever he saw out there, he's calling it a security risk. Um, So he said that his squadron began seeing UAPs hovering over restricted airspace southeast of Virginia Beach in 2014 when they updated their jet's radar, making it possible to zero in with infrared targeting cameras. Now listen, so when asked how many of these like UAPs did you see? He said, I saw them every day, every day for at least a couple years. And the dude from 60 Minutes, Bill Whitaker says, wait a minute, every day? And he says, every day. And he said, well, what's the first thing you would tell us about what you saw? And he said, I don't see an exhaust plume. That was the first thing he said. Okay. So now fast forward. That's just, that's kind of one account. Um, Later in the program, they had two pilots on, a David Fravor, a graduate of the Top Gun Naval Flight School and commander of the FA-18F squadron on the USS Nimitz, and flying at his wing, uh, Lieutenant Alex Dietrich, who has never spoken publicly about the encounter and looked very uh, reluctant to be on 60 Minutes, I will tell you that. But the two of them uh, told their story. Now, this is earlier. This is back in uh, November 2004. So this is like 17 years ago. The USS Nimitz Carrier Strike Group was training about 100 miles southwest of San Diego. And so for a week, the advanced new radar on a nearby ship, the USS Princeton, had detected some type of aerial vehicle that they weren't able to identify. And so they sent the squadron out to check and see what was going on. Okay, and this is what they said. They said they found an area of roiling white water the size of a 737 in an otherwise calm blue sea, okay? Now, there's two pilots and there's two backseaters. So four people are seeing this, right? They said it was kind of the shape of a tic-tac, right? Like a white tic-tac, okay? And it was moving above the whitewater area, okay? So it was pointing north to south. He said, and then all of a sudden it goes click and it just turns abruptly and it starts mirroring me in what I'm doing in my plane, okay? So as I'm coming down, it starts coming up. Okay. He said it was aware we were there. Okay. He said it was about the size of his F-A-18, no markings, no wings, no exhaust plumes. So he said, I wanted to see how close I could get. So I go, you know, in, in closer. He said, the thing is still climbing. And when it gets right in front of me, it just disappears. Gone, gone. He said it was just gone. So then it goes to the woman who was flying, who's the pilot who was flying next to him. And she says, seriously, like your mind is trying to make sense of it. She said, I was going to categorize it as like a helicopter. I thought maybe it was a drone. She said, I was trying to figure it out in my head. And then it was gone. 
it was just gone. Okay. And there are four people in the airplane who saw this happen. So it's not like one crazy person who stayed up too late the night before. Right. Um, okay. So then the guy from 60 minutes says, okay, so, so you're saying there is something out there. And the guy, Dave says this Dave Favor. Yes, there is definitely something. He said, I don't know who's building it. I don't know who's got the technology. I don't know who's got the brains, but there's something out there that was better than our airplanes. Now, that's just a little tiny glimpse of what you can watch if you go online to 60 Minutes. But it was persuasive to me, certainly enough that I would want to look into it. Um, Gary, I'm going to turn to you as someone who's flown aircraft. Um, you have any comments off the top? Well, no F-18 Hornets, uh, just, you know, private aircraft. Well, uh, yeah, I'm not I, saying you were a fighter no, pilot. No, I, I, I'm very concerned about what they said. I believe them. And it yeah. doesn't make any sense. And yeah. things traveling at that speed, you would expect to see some sort of exhaust plume. You wouldn't in a small aircraft, the kind I fly, don't have an exhaust plume visible. But they're not traveling at the 13,000 miles an hour either. So right. it's very concerning. So they, yeah, so the, so the people who were interviewed said they thought that it was one of three things. The first thing it could be is some type of highly classified U.S. military mm-hmm. uh, spy tech. Right. That they didn't know about. The second possibility is that it was that type of spy tech from another nation. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the third possibility is that it was something extraterrestrial. Um, they couldn't come up with something that wasn't one of in wouldn't fall in one of those three categories. But all of the people who were interviewed, like you, Gary, were really concerned because, you know, I'm sure if you fly a, a multi-million dollar aircraft like that, you're used to being able to be the to do whatever you no. want to do and be the top dog. The only reason you're flying that aircraft in the type of, of dangerous circumstance you are is because you feel like you have the upper hand. And for them, instantly when they saw that thing, they felt like they didn't. Yeah, they're outclassed. Uh, right. And it's hard to spot other airplanes when you're in the air. Maybe easier over ocean, but it's okay. really... Is that because of the color of the water? Everything just blends in. They're very small. Uh, you know, a mile away, you can barely see another airplane. Uh, you have to really keep your eyes peeled. But uh, so it must have been fairly decent size for them to see that. So hmm. pretty scary well, stuff. It is scary stuff. Um, we're going to be looking into uh, what the Senate finds out in their committee hearings. Uh, I'm going to follow it closely. But, you know, as Christians, I, I think that there are a couple things that should be said about it. The first thing is, um, because it's unidentified to us doesn't mean it's unidentified to God. So, you know, if you hear the story and you're a person who's overcome with anxiety about it, I don't want you to be because, you know, God's fully aware of everything that's going on. Um, the second thing is I would say it's absolutely a, an appropriate posture to live in a world where you feel like you don't understand everything. I mean, we value understanding and being able to identify and label everything. And look, the world is just not like that. I mean, as smart as we like to think we are, that's just not the reality of it. It's just not the way it is. So being humbled before something that we don't understand is a good place to be because it helps us to be sharper and it helps us to look for more things. The third thing I would say is, you know, when you hear a story like this, don't try to jam it into your like theological viewpoint or your denominational perspective. I mean, don't try to, don't try to explain it away. Like just hear what happens. You know, a lot of times because of our fear, we tend to be people that have to like figure everything out and have to like, okay, so what's the reform perspective on this or what's the Catholic perspective? Look, 
we don't know. We don't know what this is. So let's just take the time. Let's just take it in and remember that all truth, all real truth is God's truth. Okay, that's it. We're going to come back after this break. And I'm really excited because we're going to have two guests with us. Jack Phillips, owner of Masterpiece Cake Shop and Jake Warner, legal counsel for the Alliance Defending Freedom. Why didn't Jack Phillips just make the cake? That's it. We'll ask him next. The reason he didn't, he'll tell us about and the whole story of how he ended up before the Supreme Court. It's next, The Ride Home, John Cow. 101.5 WORD. It's been said, if you're ever going to question the legitimacy of your salvation, it'll be on a day when you've kept God in the background and given sin a foothold. Yes, what we think about salvation may change, but what about salvation itself? John MacArthur answers that crucial question in his study, The Grip of God, on Grace to You. Tomorrow morning at 7 on 101.5 WORD. We've all been thinking a lot lately about the air we breathe. QDOT has been thinking about it for over 100 years, providing big HVAC solutions for the commercial industry, including healthcare, where air quality is paramount. Does your home deserve any less? For affordable solutions, including their new bipolar ionizer, which may eliminate up to 99.4% of airborne viruses, including SARS-CoV-2, breathe easier with QDOT. Call 412-366-6200 or visit q-dot.com. Can I tell you about a hero of the faith? Hi, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and Shadrach is an elder in a shanty church deep in the heart of Zambia, Africa, the country where the famous missionary David Livingstone carried out years of ministry. The church received word that an attack was coming from Islamic extremists, and sure enough, it came, and the man Shadrach had a handgun to help protect the congregation. In self-defense, he shot a man, Ishmael, but did not kill him, but instead nursed him back to health, took care of his livestock over many months, and taught his daughter to read and write. And the result is that the family has come to Christ along with 80 former Islamist extremists, but they live where Bibles are almost non-existent. Listen, the gospel's going forth today, and we get to be a part of their story at only $5 a Bible. Will you pray about it and then make your most generous gift by calling 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD or give at wordfm.com before we wrap up in the coming days and God bless you for caring. Don't let pests scare off your returning customers. Get the help you need at oozebugstoppers.com. Get a free quote on a monthly or quarterly pest control and sanitation plan without a long-term contract that'll clean them up, block them out, push them back, and remove pests safely. Backed by Boo's 100% satisfaction guarantee. When it comes to protecting your business and your guests, who are you going to call? Booze Bug Stoppers at boozebugstoppers.com. Craig Schweiger's weekly show, Home is Where the Heart Is, has been a big hit. Extremely informative for seniors and their families to learn about reverse mortgages. This week's guest, Jason Burt, and his organization formerly known as the Silver Ring Thing, has been covered by the BBC, MTV, and 60 Minutes. Tune in Saturday at 7 a.m. to meet Jason and hear about the unaltered life while you learn about reverse mortgages for seniors. Sponsored by Federated Mortgage. Home is Where the Heart Is, where mortgage meets ministry. Saturday mornings at 7 on 101.5 FM, WO. Back in 2012, two men asked Jack Phillips, the cake maker, to create a custom cake celebrating a same-sex wedding. Jack politely declined because he says that that cake would have expressed a message and celebrated an event that violates his deeply held religious beliefs about marriage. 
Jack said he offered to serve them a variety of other items in his shop. The men refused, left the store, and later filed a lawsuit against him. Now, that that was the beginning of such an unbelievable cataclysm, uh, a collision of worldviews, a collision of um, secular versus religious, a collision of free speech versus uh, um, politically correct speech. I mean, you name it, and it got all the way to the Supreme Court. Well, I'm really excited to have Jack Phillips on the show today. Uh, Jack is the owner of Masterpiece Cake Shop, and he's the author of a brand new book called The Cost of My Faith, How a Decision in My Cake Shop Took Me to the Supreme Court. Also happy to have Jake Warner on the line with us, legal counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom, who argued the case. Gentlemen, welcome to the ride home. Yep, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Okay, Jack, I'm going to start with you. Um, Jack, talk about uh, July 12th, 2012. Do you consider that a fateful day in your life? Yeah, it was a beautiful afternoon here, Thursday afternoon in Colorado. And uh, I was working in the back of my shop, two girls working out front, and they indicated that somebody was needing help out front, and they were both occupied. So I went out, sat down at the at our wedding desk, an area where we have set aside to discuss wedding cakes or custom cakes with, with clients. And there were two men sitting there. And so I sat down and I introduced myself. They gave me their names. And, and one of them said, we're here to look at wedding cakes. And the other one piped up, yeah, it's for our wedding. And so I immediately knew what my answer was going to be. I just wasn't quite sure how I was going to phrase it and how it would be taken. So I said, sorry, guys, I don't make cakes for same-sex weddings. And they both stared at me, kind of like, what did you just say? I'll make you birthday cakes, shower cakes, I'll sell you cookies or brownies. I just don't do cakes for same-sex wedding. And the next thing, one of them jumps up, he flips me off, starts swearing at me and heading out the, barging out the door, and the other one gets up and heads out the other door. I'm like, what in the world was that? I didn't get a chance to talk to him. It was, you know, 20 seconds. And uh, I wanted to explain, you know, if we had more time, you know, that it's my faith. They're, they're welcome here. I welcome everybody in my shop, but it's my faith that uh, compels me to uh, run my shop the way I do and that I can't create a cake to celebrate a view of marriage that goes against my you know, biblical understanding of it. So at that point, you thought, well, that was, you know, uh, that was sad that that ended that way. Um, and then you just went right back to your business. When did you find out that the two men had filed a suit against you? Well, I went back to my business that day, but 20 minutes later, the phone rang and somebody called me up and said, are you the man who just turned away the gay couple? And I said, what wow, really? Yeah. And then it was close. It was like five o'clock that time at that time of day. And we closed at six and I got six more calls like that. By the time I closed, like hateful, vicious calls, like, I would never turn away anybody. I welcome everybody in my shop, but I can't create every message that people ask me to create. Um, like, for instance, uh, we decided before we opened that we wouldn't create cakes that celebrate Halloween, or we wouldn't create cakes that uh, uh, were anti-American, were racist, or you know, denigrated or insulted other people, including people who identify as LGBT. We also knew that we wouldn't create cakes to celebrate same-sex weddings. And bear in mind, this was 1993 and before that, and same-sex marriage wasn't legal anywhere in the country, and it was illegal in Colorado. So no government official could, you know, force could enforce or endorse um, a same-sex wedding from their office officially. And yet mm-hmm. we found out in October that the same state that couldn't endorse it was suing me because I wouldn't create a cake celebrating it. 
Okay. And, you know, that's part of the story that I find. I mean, the whole story is, is fascinating. And I'm saying that because, Jack, I didn't live through it. Um, but, you know, from an external perspective and looking at the legalities of it in America, um, I want to turn to Jake Warner, Jake's legal counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom. Um, Jake, let's talk about this next thing. So not only was it a uh, not only was Jack being sued by two men, what about the actions by the state of Colorado? Yeah, so once Jack was sued, you might remember his case went up to the Colorado Civil Rights Commission. Yeah. And um, while the case was at the commission, um, certain officials uh, compared Jack's plea for religious freedom to uh, defenses that justified the Holocaust and, and slavery and, um, and and actually treated Jack worse than three other cake artists in Colorado. You might remember during the course of Jack's first case, uh, Colorado state officials um, had allowed three other cake artists to decline to create cakes with messages critical of same-sex marriage. And the state said that those cake artists had the freedom to do that. But they de- declined to extend that same freedom to Jack. And when Jack's case went up to the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court found that, that those actions violated Jack's free exercise of religion because the state was treating him differently because of his faith, and it had made some hostile comments comparing his beliefs to awful things in history. Hmm. Okay. So what? tell me about those other three cases uh, of cake bakers. Oh, no, I don't mean the, mm-hmm. like particulars. I mean in generalities. What, what, was the, what was the case there, and why wasn't that a precedent for Jack? Well, in Colorado. Uh, there was a, yeah, there was a, a Christian man who went around to three other bakeries in Colorado and requested a custom cake uh, with a message that was critical of same-sex marriage, and then like the people who prosecuted Jack, this man filed a complaint with the Colorado Civil Rights Division. But instead of prosecuting those three cake artists like the state did against Jack, the state said there's no probable cause to move forward and dismissed those complaints, basically affirming that they had the same, you know, a kind of freedom that Jack didn't have. Sure. So freedom of religion or freedom of speech was only being applied to one side. Exactly. And that was a basis for the U.S. Supreme Court to reverse uh, the Colorado Court of Appeals decision in Jack's first case. Got it. Okay. Uh, really th- thankful to have these two men on the program today. Jack Phillips, owner of Masterpiece Cake Shop and author of the new book, The Cost of My Faith, How a Decision in My Cake Shop Took Me to the Supreme Court. And also Jake Warner, who is legal counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom, which is the organization that represented Jack before the U.S. Supreme Court. Okay, so how long did it take? Uh, Jack, I'll go back to you. How long did it take between when this incident happened, which was which was July 19, 2012, to when you ended up before the Supreme, U.S. Supreme Court? Um, about five and a half years. It was December wow. 5th, 2017, um, when we were actually in the court to hear the arguments. And people ask me what it was like to testify um, before the Supreme Court. I don't. It's just the attorneys and the justices. The okay. justices ask questions, the attorneys answer, answer them, and, and it's just incredible to watch and see the especially the attorney who argued for me, Kristen Wagner, so sharp and, you know, whatever question they ask, you don't get a view of the questions before or preview them. They ask a question. She gave a quick, convincing, compelling answer and went on to the next one. It was pretty cool to see. Yeah, I remember reading that whole transcript when it happened, Jack. And um, in talking to you now, I think, uh, you know, about it in a more personal way. And I'm wondering about what your life was like in those intervening five years. Were you able to keep the cake shop open? Uh, yeah, the cake shop was open, but the first ruling against us by the Colorado Civil Rights Commission 
said that I had to start creating uh, every wedding cake that came to me or stop creating wedding cakes altogether. And the every wedding cake part indicated that if somebody came in and they wanted a, an adult-themed wedding cake or a pornographic wedding cake, I would not be able to turn that away. I would have to do really? every cake that came to me. I wouldn't be able to you know, lend okay. a hand in designing, and that's my job. And uh, so we had to uh, give up our lucrative wedding business, which was a large percentage of our business at that time. Wow. Okay, so let's move on um, back to Jack. Um, or I'm sorry, back to Jake Warner. Um, Jake, talk to us about the victory um, before the Supreme Court uh, Alliance Defending Freedom on behalf of Jack Phillips and Masterpiece Cake Shop. Um, what uh, what were the deciding factors? You already mentioned the precedent of what happened in California with the other cases. Um, talk about, um, you know, I guess what were the what were the decisive moments in the case and what that decision meant at that time and still means now? Yeah, in June of 2018, the U.S. Supreme Court uh, gave Jack a landmark victory for religious freedom. And there was essentially two bases for the court's decision. It decided the case exclusively on free exercise grounds. And what it said was that the state was hostile towards Jack's faith, and that hostility was uh, clear from First, the commissioner's hostile comments against Jack and his faith, and then secondarily because of the state's unequal treatment of Jack compared to the other three cake artists that the Colorado Civil Rights Commission let off the hook. What the Supreme Court said is this discrimination and this kind of targeting is unconstitutional. It violates Jack's free exercise rights. And the decision stands for this clear principle that um, the government can't kick people like Jack, faithful Christians, out of the marketplace just because it disagrees with their faith. So let's move back to Jack, and I'm going to ask the million-dollar question, which is, why not just make the cake? It would have been so much easier. Well, like I said, before we opened the shop, my wife and I had uh, decided which cakes we couldn't, could and could not uh, create. We gladly serve everybody. That's why I went into retail. I like serving people. I like working with people, but I can't create every cake that people ask me to because of messages of some cakes. And so, to add, you know, would I make the cake again, or why not just make the cake? The cake itself is an inherent message. A wedding cake is. If you walked into a conference room at a hotel and you saw a cake sitting on a table in the corner, you would know that that's a wedding. It's something to be celebrated, a marriage to be celebrated. And uh, I couldn't uh, create that that cake and express that message. So um, we drew a line in the sand and knew we couldn't cross it. Okay. Um, so last question for you, Jack. Uh, our time's almost up. You said that not everybody who came into the cake shop who perhaps disagreed with your perspective on life or on God or on society was aggressive with you. Um, I want to hear about other people that you talked with. Did you have good conversations with people? Were you able to build any bridges? Um, You know, were there acts of grace and mercy that happened between you and other people? Yeah. um, Within the first couple of weeks, um, no, it was in December of 2013, but a radio station did their broadcast from our our store all day long, and we opened up at 5 o'clock that morning, and the first person to come in introduced himself. Hi, my name is Mike Jones, and I'm a gay man, and I just came to see, you know, what was going on here. Hi, Mike, I'm Jack. You know, what can I do for you? We talked for a little bit, and he left. He came back later throughout the day for more of the broadcast. Come to find out that this man, Mike Jones, is a former gay activist, notable in his own right, and uh, we've since become friends because we've had, you know, great conversations, and he knows that I'll serve everybody, but I can't create every message. And I've served him every time. So those kind of experiences have really been 
pretty good to to uh, have. Good, good, good. Um, and Jake, last question for you. Um, what does this tell us? Um, any, everyone who's who's listening to the show now, who interacts, you know, in a public place, um, or is on, you know, social media, or you know, might have some platform at work or at church or whatever. What does it tell them about their free speech rights and uh, what's guaranteed here in America? Yeah, the key question in Jack's case and in so many other cases populating up around the country is this. Does the government have the power to force people to express messages that go against their core belief? And the First Amendment says, no, the government doesn't have that power. And just because the government is coming after Jack today doesn't mean it's not going to be coming after someone else tomorrow. So no matter sure. whether you share Jack's views on life's most important issues, the government with the power to punish Jack Phillips is the same government that could punish anyone for expressing a view that go against popular opinion or some other uh, popular metric like that. So this is a key principle and key freedom for everyone, not just Jack Phillips. Right. Uh, you know, and I appreciate that. I think that's the thing to keep in mind is everybody is in favor of the government cracking down on the other guy. Right. Everybody thinks that's a great idea when it silences the other opinion. You don't realize that when people get into power who are on the other perspective of where you are, you're going to be the person who's Jack Phillips. Is that right, Jake? That's exactly right. A government that has the power to punish Jack Phillips is a government with too much power. It can punish anyone for dis- for disagreeing with popular views. Well, listen, it is a terrifically interesting book. I mean, you've got to check this out. The Cost of My Faith, How a Decision in My Cake Shop Took Me to the Supreme Court. Jack Phillips, thank you for sharing your story today on our show. Well, thank you. It's been, it's been great today. Thank you. Great. And Jake Warner, thanks for lending your expertise to the discussion as well. Yeah, thanks. It's been a treat. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, Jack Phillips and that's Jake Warner. Jack's the owner of Masterpiece Cake Shop, Jake Warner Legal Counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom. The book, The Cost of My Faith, How a Decision in My Cake Shop Took Me to the Supreme Court. We'll be back in a bit. Congratulations. You did it. You worked hard and saved for retirement, but now you'll have questions. Will my taxes increase? How will I cover my expenses? Will my income last? Will I have anything left to leave to my loved ones? Hi, this is Ethan Lane with Accurate Solutions Group. I know that you need a strategy to help make sure your hard-earned money goes the distance in retirement. That's why I'm offering you a free guide designed to help you know if your nest egg can withstand the challenges of a 21st century retirement. Longer lives, increasing health care costs, and taxes are just a few of the risks to your income. Get this free guide from me, Ethan Lane, and our team at Accurate Solutions Group by calling 412-515-3555. That's 412-515-3555. Take the first step to help your money last in retirement. 412-515-3555. Firm offers insurance services, investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. To serve as a ruling elder is a high and holy office. 
RPTS now offers five flexible online courses to help you shepherd the Church of God. The Ruling Elders Program features courses on biblical counseling, interpretation, worship, the church, care and administration, plus preaching and elective options that best fit your ministry paradigm. No papers, no exams, just solid biblical teaching from experienced pastor professors. Individual and group rates available. RPTS, study under pastors. Learn more at rpts.edu. The world has changed a lot over this past year. If you are turning 65 or currently on Medicare, Assurance can help you get confidence in knowing you have the health care coverage you need. Chat with a licensed insurance agent for a free no-obligation Medicare Advantage plan consultation with Assurance at 1-833-381-1599. That's 1-833-381-1599 or Assurance.com slash radio. Together, Assurance can help recommend a Medicare Advantage plan that's right for you. Your business is ready for a reboot. A recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. The changes haven't been easy, but there's help. The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We can design a plan that targets potential customers with proven marketing strategies. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Are you interested in furthering your career in law enforcement? Waynesburg University offers a 100% online Master of Arts in Criminal Investigation. Our flexible, affordable program for law enforcement professionals is taught by experts from the field. Visit waynesburg.edu. We are everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORD-FM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app by heart, tune in, and at radio.com. Tonight we'll see partly cloudy skies. It will be mild with a low of 59. Very warm tomorrow with clouds and sunshine. As temperatures do warm, look before you lock. Make sure you don't leave your child unattended in your vehicle. We'll see a high of 86. Partly cloudy and mild tomorrow night with a low of 61. We'll see times of clouds and sunshine Saturday with a high of 82. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. animals are spectacular i'm a huge fan i have two cats of my own who live in this house and i think that they are outrageously interesting creatures i love dogs never had a dog have no interest in having a dog but i love other people's dogs i was out on my front porch the other day and you know how now that the you know weather's warm you know my family and i eat outside every night our front porch is like you know kind of right in the middle of the neighborhood all of a sudden we're seeing people we haven't seen since fall, right? So we haven't seen people in, you know, sometimes six months, seven months. Anyway, so these two neighbors of mine come walking by and I'm not going to name them because I don't have their permission, but haven't seen them all this time. Well, Link, who's their dog, and I have a very special affection for one another. I'm not sure where it came from, but I just feel like I love Link. He loves me. I feel like we get each other. Anyway, so Link is about 50 yards away. And I saw him coming and I said out loud from my front porch, Link. Now, listen, this is a dog. Okay. I'm a person. We don't live together. We have never really hung out other than, you know, every time he comes by, say hi to him, whatever. He came bounding over to me. Okay. Basically, it was like we were like two star-crossed lovers who were, you know, finally reunited after, you know, some long separation. And 
how does he remember me? How is that? Like, that's just weird, right? And we just, we don't understand the capabilities of animals. Well, listen, this next story is really outstanding and supports exactly what I'm saying here. It's a new type of COVID-19 test, okay, reported by today's Wall Street Journal that comes with four legs and a wagging tail. Listen, a growing body of research by scientists and dog trainers from the U.S. to the UAE suggests that dogs can use their powerful sense of smell to sniff out COVID-19 infections, including in people with no symptoms. With more than 300 million scent receptors compared with roughly 5 million in humans. Okay, we have five. They have 300 million. Dogs can do this with a high degree of accuracy by detecting compounds the human body releases in secretions like sweat and saliva as it reacts to the coronavirus. Dogs have long been trained to detect odors associated with drugs or explosives. They've also been used to identify diseases like cancer or malaria or diabetes. But, says Dominique Grandjean, professor at the National Veterinary School of Alfort in France, she says this is the first time dogs have been able to detect a viral disease in humans. Now, this is not some kind of, you know, fringe situation. Dogs are being trained all over the world to do this. Researchers say, researchers say that it's unknown whether COVID-19 sniffing dogs can be confused between COVID-19 and other viruses or by people who've had vaccinations for COVID-19. But right here in Pennsylvania, the School of Veterinary Medicine at Penn is conducting a study to test whether dogs are able to differentiate between people with COVID and those who've been vaccinated against it. The World Health Organization is coordinating an international task force of researchers to investigate the use of sniffer dogs. They said in a March report that COVID-19 sniffing dogs could complement conventional diagnostic tools because unlike the dreaded nasal swab test, right, which requires contact between people, dogs can screen a large number of people in real time and at low cost. One dog can screen 250 to 300 people a day. How about that? And it only costs like a buck 20 to do that, right? Versus like $75 for a PCR test. I mean, it's amazing. Going to the other side of the globe, the United Arab Emirates has been investing, investing heavily in training COVID-19 sniffing dogs. And they now have 39 dogs that are being used to screen people at malls, public events, and in crowded living facilities. Studies have shown, according to today's Wall Street Journal, that dogs can be trained to identify COVID infections with roughly 82 to 99% sensitivity. I mean, how about that? Researchers at the University of Veterinary Medicine in Hanover, Germany, trained eight dogs for only one week to detect respiratory secretions from infected patients. They came back with a detection rate of 94%. Go dogs. Robert Mead, who's the chief executive of Doctors Hospital in Sarasota, Florida, says, hey, it's an extra layer of protection, and it's a lot more pleasant than having a swab stuck in your nose. So coming soon to an area near you, just a really nice pup who's here to help. We'll be right back in a couple minutes. We're going to talk about a new book about the life and times of Billy Graham. That's next. You're right home. WORD. This week on Insight for Living, Chuck Swindoll talks about what to do when disappointment leads to doubt. If you have come to the place in your life where you can live with the fact that what 
you expect it didn't happen and it doesn't shatter your faith, special blessings are yours. Special measure of maturity you've reached. Be encouraged when you listen weekdays to Insight for Living with Chuck Swindoll. Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD. Turkey and stuffing, real mashed potatoes, sliced top round, Aunt Emma's broccoli casserole, chicken and gravy over buttermilk biscuits. Am I making you hungry yet? Hi, it's me, Marsha, from the Springhouse. Do you have a special event coming up in your life? A shower, a wedding, graduation party, company party, anniversary event, or any occasion where you'd love to serve all-natural, farm-fresh foods? Then it's time to give the Springhouse Catering Department a call at 724-228-3339. From your first conversation with Dawn, who will help you create a menu that's unique to you, to the beautiful, bounteous setup and display that my sister Jill and her crew create, you will be delighted. After every catering event, Jill tells our cooks, I wish I could take you with me so you could hear all the wonderful comments guests give us. Give us a call at 724-228-3339 or check out our extensive menu at springhousemarket.com for farm fresh catering from the Springhouse. Impact Mortgage Corp. TBA Cash Call Mortgage. NMLS ID 1282 Lender. Not licensed in all states, including New York. Offer based on loans over $250,000. Call 855-657-9910 for licensing terms and restrictions. What's better than a mortgage? Mortgage interest rate and APR in the twos? How about a no-closing-cost mortgage loan with an interest rate and APR in the twos? That's right. We have no-closing-cost loans here at Cash Call Mortgage. We pay the title, escrow, and appraisal fees. So if you're looking to save a little cash on your monthly mortgage payment, call Cash Call Mortgage today. Our quotes are always free. If your mortgage rate APR is not in the twos, Cash Call Mortgage could lower your interest rate and save you some cash. What are you waiting for? With low rates and no closing cost options, now is the time to refinance your mortgage. For a free quote to see if you qualify, go to CashCallMortgage.com or call us today. Call 800-931-6651. That's 800-931-6651. 800-931-6651. What is a warrior? At Portersville Christian School, it's more than a team name. A warrior is taught to serve, to passionately model the love of Christ toward neighbor, community, and world. To learn as they cultivate academic excellence and a lifelong love of learning from kindergarten to senior year. And to lead through Christian character and integrity. Are you a warrior? Discover Portersville Christian School just 15 minutes north of Cranberry, where warriors are made at OurPCS.org. Studies show that Christianity is in steady decline here in the U.S. When asked for personal information about religion on forms or applications, now more than 56% of people write the word none. That's N-O-N-E. People who aren't necessarily atheists, but don't practice or ascribe to any particular faith. Six out of 10 millennials do not identify with any branch of Christianity at all. And nuns, N-O-N-E-S, they're the fastest growing faith group in America. So into this type of situation and environment comes a brand new book called Billy Graham, The Man I Knew. Interesting, the timing of that. And we're excited to have its author on with us right now on the ride home. The Reverend Greg Laurie is senior pastor at Harvest Christian Fellowship, one of the largest churches in America. He's written more than 70 books. He's featured on the syndicated radio program, A New Beginning, and on a weekly TV show on the Trinity Broadcasting Network. He's also on the board of directors of the Billy Graham Evangelist. Association. Greg Laurie, welcome to the ride home. 
Kathy, great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I want to hear about your pal, Billy. Um, <laughs> when did you meet? Well, we met at first uh, in the 70s in Canada for a crusade he was doing in a hallway. Lasted oh, about yeah? three minutes. And I really got to know him in the early 90s. Or I was just starting our crusade ministry. I was in my late 30s. Billy was sort of on the final leg of his crusade ministry, and he asked me to help him with sermon illustrations and reaching a younger generation. So because of that, I spent a lot of time with him, traveling with him, being with him in every setting imaginable, and began to just see what kind of guy he really was. And, you know, there were not two Billy Grahams. There was not like a private mm. and a public that were different. He was the yeah. same guy off the stage as he was on the stage. He was the real deal. So kind of to your opening comments there about the millennials, you know, I wanted to introduce him to a younger generation, Generation Z, kids that have maybe heard his name but have no point of reference. So I spent a lot of time in the book, Kathy, talking about the young Billy Graham, the innovative, mm. groundbreaking Billy Graham, who was the king of all media before Howard Stern claimed the title. Yeah. Okay. So I grew up in a household uh, where we watched a lot of Billy Graham because my mom was found by Jesus at a uh, Billy Graham crusade when she was right. in seventh grade. And um, that was back in, I don't know, 1944. Wow. Um, and so whenever Billy was on, you know, we were watching. Now, it was interesting because at that time, my dad wasn't a believer. And so it created a lot of friction at the living room because, of course, yeah. you remember the old days when you had like, you know, the Zenith console TV and oh, you yeah. could only watch one thing. It's not like someone could adjourn to another room and check out something different. Right. Yes. Um, so we were all watching Billy. But the Billy Graham that I knew was different than that initial one that my mom mom knew because, yeah. you know, I didn't grow up until the, you know, late 1970s. So talk about his early days. Introduce us to that Billy Graham. Well, he, he was full of energy. He was, uh, he was willing to take risks. He, a doctor said, this boy has a lot of energy today. They would probably diagnose him as being hyperactive, oh, yeah? but he just had a lot of pent up energy that God put in him for the task at hand. Uh, he did a short stint as the head of a university and as a pastor, and through process of elimination, he discovered that was not what he was called to do, but his okay. primary calling was to preach. But he used every platform he could. He was a pioneer in Christian radio, a pioneer in Christian television. At one point, he had a, a Hollywood studio in, to produce feature films that showed in theaters. So he was always sort of evolving with the times, but his message remained the same. But he went from the kind of like a panther roaming the stage in the early 40s to the lion in winter and the seasoned saint mm -hmm. and grandfather-like figure that many people remember. But uh, I wanted to spend a little more time showing the young Billy Graham and what went into making him the man he was. Yeah, we're, we're talking to Greg Laurie. Uh, his new book is called Billy Graham, The Man I Knew, Story of an Extraordinary Man, um, who was an ordinary man, you say. So in those early days, any indication that he would rise to the level of notoriety or prominence that he did? Well, I think some people saw potential in him uh, when he was started out preaching. But I mean, he was being raised, he was raised on a farm in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, if he would have followed the natural trajectory of his life, he probably would have stayed with that farm, as his brother Melvin did. 
he had uh, visions of being a baseball player, <laughs> as many young boys do. Sure. But uh, God was calling him to something higher, something greater. You know, Billy would say, if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, you know, he didn't get there by himself. And I think Billy would have been the first to acknowledge God placed him where he was, because how could he ever know that he would be a man that would be a personal pastor to presidents from Truman to Obama? How could he ever know that he would preach to some of the largest recorded crowds in human history? How would he know that, that he would literally change the world? But he was faithful in the little things. He always put his heart and mind into whatever task was before him. And uh, one door opened after another, and clearly the the launch pad for Billy happened in Los Angeles at his tent there as he preached. And William Randolph Hearst, who owned a bunch right. of newspapers and magazines, was very impressed with the young Billy Graham, and he sent a telegram out to all of his editors, two words, Puff Graham, and that sort of launched Billy to another level. And you might say he never looked back from that. And he was on the world's most admired men list more than any man who ever lived. How about that? Tell me what year that was, the, the uh, crusade in L.A. and the William Randolph Hearst. Uh, I don't uh, know the exact comment. year, but it was like mid-40s. Mid-40s. Okay. Yeah. I remember seeing photographs of that yeah. um, and what the tents looked like and how they were set up and that sort of thing. I mean, it's, it's a whole different era. You know, so many times I've thought, just because I watched Billy Graham so much growing up, like, what would he say now? Like, what would he, and I, I'm not asking, I don't want you to speak for Billy Graham, but it's one of those things that when you have someone who's that much of a staple um, and a representative for Jesus for so many decades, when difficult things happen and, you know, you go through trials and the cataclysms that the globe has seen this year, you think, wow, what kind of leadership could he have provided? Yes. Well, I remember what he said in his final crusade. You know, he was an elderly man at this point. He needed help to even get in the pulpit. But he stood in that pulpit, and he turned to the crowd, and he said, God loves you. Then he turned to another section of the crowd and said, and God loves you. He turned to another section, and God loves you. And, you know, Billy would point us to Christ. His message was always Jesus Christ, put your hope in God, trust in God. And, you know, he was not a partisan politician. You know, Billy was conservative politically, obviously, but uh, he had relationships with people on both sides of the political aisle and actually was a friend to presidents ranging from JFK to LBJ to uh, President Bush Sr., uh, President George W. Bush, Ronald Reagan, he was close to the Clintons, and, and even President Obama went to his home in Montreat, North Carolina, Billy's home, to visit with him. So this is a man who was a bridge builder, not a bridge burner. Mm-hmm. He was a man who was ahead of his time in racial reconciliation. We have so much tension right now. You know, he was friends with Martin Luther King. He called him Mike. And uh, he asked Dr. King to come pray at the Madison Square Garden, which was a very daring thing for Billy to do. Don't forget, Billy was a son of the South, and some people didn't like that. But Billy understood the important role that Dr. King was playing in in the black community and wanted to help with that in his way. And uh, and he was always looking for ways to do that. He was invited to preach at a crusade somewhere in the South, and they it was segregated. 
and the blacks sat on one side, whites on others. Billy said, there'll be no segregated crowds when I preach. And he took down those barriers. And so, you know, he was always doing things like that. I think people, when they were with them, saw this was not a judgmental man. He was a loving man, but he was firm in his belief and never compromised in his proclamation of the gospel. That's so terrific. Greg, I can't thank you enough for being with us today. You've been so generous with your time, and I cannot wait to get into this new book. It's called Billy Graham, The Man I Knew. We've been talking to the Reverend Greg Laurie. Now, Greg, before you leave us, I just want to say that, you know, your show is here. Uh, It airs every day, Monday through Friday, 1030 a.m. on Word FM. And uh, we love you. We appreciate you. We appreciate sharing your heart with us on a daily basis. And it's been a real treat to be able to talk to you one-on-one. Well, Kathy, thanks so much for having me on. And, you know, if the book is out not only in hardcover, but it's in audio format where it's read very beautifully. And there's even a digital version you can order for Kindle or That's Apple awesome. Books. Just go to Amazon.com or Apple Books. and All right. Amazon.com, Apple it. Books. Sorry, Greg, don't mean to cut you off, but you know that's what radio does to people, right? Ruins all of us at one time or another. That's Greg Laurie. Check out the brand new book on Billy Graham, The Man I Knew. Don't let pests scare off your returning customers. Get the help you need at BoozeBugStoppers.com. Get a free quote on a monthly pest control and sanitation plan without a long-term contract that'll clean them up, block them out, push them back, and remove pests safely. Backed by Booze 100% Satisfaction Guarantee. When it comes to protecting your business and your guests, who are you going to call? Booze Bug Stoppers at BoozeBugStoppers.com. What is a warrior? At Portersville Christian School, it's more than a team name. A warrior is taught to serve, to passionately model the love of Christ toward neighbor, community, and world. To learn as they cultivate academic excellence and a lifelong love of learning from kindergarten to senior year. And to lead through Christian character and integrity. Are you a warrior? Discover Portersville Christian School just 15 minutes north of Cranberry, where warriors are made at OurPCS.org. Is it possible to truly love your enemy? Discover the truth behind the Israeli-Palestinian conflict as never before in the award-winning film Hope in the Holy Land. An enlightening, politically nuanced, and morally sensitive look at both sides with real stories from Jews, Muslims, and Christians who've lived through the years of war in search of peace. Don't miss Hope in the Holy Land. Available now at SalemNow.com. Watch this film and pass it on. Go to SalemNow.com today. It's Mattress Firm's best Memorial Day sale ever. For a limited time, save up to $500 on top-rated mattress brands like Sealy and Sleepy's. Plus, get a free adjustable base with your $6.99 mattress purchase. Are you interested in furthering your career in law enforcement? Waynesburg University offers a 100% online Master of Arts in Criminal Investigation. Our flexible, affordable program for law enforcement professionals is taught by experts from the field. Visit waynesburg.edu. All right, so we know Elon Musk, uh, chairman and CEO of the Tesla Corporation, is not a shrinking violet, right? For years, he's been championing his vehicle's driver's assistance program called Autopilot and forecasting the self-driving cars and emerging reality is just going to happen. Anyway, um, on social media over the last, I don't know, year or so, all sorts of people who work for Tesla have posted videos to Instagram, maybe Twitter, sometimes Facebook, um, where people are like operating a Tesla while they're in the backseat and nobody's at the wheel or 
you know, there are other people who um, have created online video genres out of testing what's possible with the autopilot function with Tesla. I mean, one TikTok user shared a video last year that appeared to depict a Tesla going more than 60 miles an hour on a highway with no one in the driver's seat while the passengers drank hard seltzer and sang along to Justin. <laughs> Beaver. Yes, this is today's Wall Street Journal. Well, then this story comes in that just really is the uh, uh, cherry on top of the Sunday. Uh, cops say a sleeping Tesla driver was stopped on Interstate 94 at the Illinois Wisconsin border just last Sunday morning. Now, you heard me right. He was pulled over because someone drove past him and said, Oh my gosh, I just passed that guy and he's asleep. Now, the kicker is, he was going 83 miles per hour. When the police pulled him over, this was on Cops TV, that fabulous TV show. You know, you love it. Anyway, the, the policeman said, you were asleep. And the guy says, well, I was tired. I don't know if I was asleep. And he says, you were asleep. Several people saw you sleeping. You were going 83 miles an hour. And this is the third time he'd been pulled over for sleeping while he was operating, air quotes, his Tesla people common sense must triumph self-driving cars it's a disaster have a great night pittsburgh see you back here the ride home with john and kathy a production of salem media group